0: Hi there, welcome to GMI, the Guitar and Music Institute podcast, episode number 20. My name is Jed Brocke and today I'm going to be talking with Andy Squires in the second instalment of a series, Musicians Moving Online. We had the first instalment probably around a month ago with YouTube expert David Walliman and David shared some wonderful information ...about how he has grown his YouTube channel to over 70,000 people... ...and how he makes a living from it. Today, Andy Squires is a totally different kettle of fish. He's a singer-songwriter. He's about to launch his first album, on which he played all the instruments, I may add. And not only that, he will divulge exactly how he's going about it. He has a plan, and I think anyone who's interested in marketing just about anything... ...but in this case, music online, will really be interested... And what Andy's got to say. He covers everything from online and offline promotion, the resources he uses, and even is going into the area of vinyl records. So that's coming up in just a moment. If you are listening to this podcast from iTunes or any of the other download sites around the internet, please come over to www.guitarmusicinstitute.com and you'll get a lot more about this episode and all the episodes, including images, music, video. So coming up now is my interview with singer-songwriter Andy Squires. So Andy, it's great to have you on the GMI podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thanks Jed. Yeah, good thanks for inviting me on. Uh, Absolutely no problem at all. Now, the listeners out there, and they are all over the world, let's start, this whole podcast is obviously about the incredible things that you are doing online, but why don't we start by telling them that you're a you're a, quite a multi talented uh, man who's not only a musician but also an actor, and you come from the north of England, Leeds. Am I correct in all of that?
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so before we get to uh, all the music stuff, what about this acting? Can you tell the people about that?
1: Yeah. Um So I got into acting at school um quite early on and it was just one of those amazing moments where, you know, you I, I enjoyed school, but when I found acting at school, it was like my my home and, you know, the, the teacher it was the first time you could call him his name. His name was Brian, you know, we just it was just amazing. And I really fell in love with it. I'd done music before that. Um and I just fell in love with acting. And then I kind of I think at the end of school was more leaning towards music. So I spent the rest of you know, my teens into my 20s concentrating on music. And then the acting thing kind of just didn't leave me. It, just, it was always a little voice in my head that was saying, you know, come back
0: to me, you know, come and try this. You've got to watch that, Andy.
1: <laughs> I know,
0: yeah. Voices in your head. But anyway, carry on.
1: <laughs> well, the good ones, you know, it's, it's good. Found um, I found a guy who teaches, who's based in Los Angeles, called Bernard Hiller and I hooked up with him and I went over to Los Angeles uh, quite a few times. I worked with him in London, worked with him in Berlin and yeah, just had a ball really and just really got stuck into um, to acting and done a few things, feature films. I've done um, TV shows, lots of plays. I've just finished to play, um, playing D.H. Lawrence, which was really interesting. And yeah, so I just you know, when I can do it, I do it, and I, you know, it's a, it's an absolute buzz, and I love
0: doing it. So, what was that that chap's name in Los Angeles? Bernard, uh, the Bernard Hiller. Yeah, he. Do you think you need a really? I always thought what's holding me back is not having an interesting enough name. You know, I was want to cha- change my name to Jed Caracas or something. Well, <laughs> what do you think? Is it all? Is it all in the name? <laughs>
1: um Well, I mean, it, I think it might, it could be. Yeah, I mean, you know.
0: But I don't know. I mean, I what, guess would, could, what would I'd, your name be if you were going to change it?
1: Um, well, we had a funny. We had. We were thinking about this the other day, and we we, we looked at um, funny band names, and Chachi Fixation was one of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'm sure um, there'll probably be people listening to this who want to talk to you about your acting career and and where it's going. But today we're talking about your music. Uh, you're a singer-songwriter and uh, a very talented multi-instrumentalist. So before we get to the thing that I really want to talk about, which is the, all the online work that you're doing, can you tell us about this actual process, about the album you're about to to launch and, and how you went about that? And I'll no doubt ask some daft questions in between. Sure.
1: So, yeah, I I mean... Like I said, I've played in lots and lots of bands. I've never really done a solo project, so this was, this was a new thing, but it's something that I've always wanted to um, to achieve in my life. And I started writing some some songs, and my friend was doing a charity gig in London and invited me down to play. So I thought, okay, I'll finish these three songs. We'll do a little set. And after the gig, a couple of people came up to me and said, oh, you know, that second song, Bad to the Bone, what, where can we buy that? Where can we get that? and i hadn't recorded it yet so immediately i got home went to the studio found a studio and booked the booked the studio and recorded it that same week that i got my mixes back i uploaded it to a website called bbc introducing which in england is um the first kind of port where you can get into into radio play and they've got local dj's and when you upload it says you know your music will be listened to within 6 months And I got an email the day after saying that we're going to play your track, Bad Bad to the Bone, on Saturday. So I was like, cool, that's amazing. So that's sort of a few people who said, yeah, we like that song. So I, that happened. And then I wrote some more songs and I went back to the studio and did them. And the same thing happened with one of those tracks. It got played on the radio again. So I thought, okay, I'm on, I'm onto something here. This is good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm five tracks in. Let's just see what happens if we book
0: the studio in two months. And were you were you thinking, this is too easy?
1: Well, it was a bit weird. I was kind of like, okay, this is happening. This is kind of cool. So we'll just keep going with it. And, you know, I was happy, with this, happy enough with the studio mixes. I was really happy. You know, they came out exactly how I wanted them to come out. And it's just nice to kind of have that feedback from, you know, someone who is in the radio business, and to say, "Hey, this is good enough. We want to play it." So you just, yeah.
0: So where you were you out gigging at this time, Andy?
1: Yeah, by the time I went to the second uh, the sec- session, I was I was in York playing a lot of open mic nights, which they've got. It's beautiful, man. They've got like one every night, so you can effectively get you know get down into town and play in front of a live audience every single day. And I think that's just such an important thing. Is the first thing to have your music. As good as it could possibly be. I mean, we wouldn't, you wouldn't be anywhere with, you know, unless you were happy with what you were doing. Then to get your live show down, that's as important to be able to play as good as you can play on a record in front of an audience and really sort of get your chops down. And that's what I really focused on a lot. You know, six months ago was like, I'm going to gig all the time. I'm going to constantly gig, get my on, you know, get my live show down. And then you kind of move into you know, now we move. I'm moving into the kind of business side of it. So it's like getting the music down, getting my live show. Now the business side is coming, and that's kind of where I'm at at the minute.
0: It's it's interesting, isn't it? All these different aspects to it that people perhaps don't consider when uh, thinking about a musician uh, or actually getting a project like this off the ground. Now, in terms of the actual album. Uh, we were talking just before we started recording. You said there were nine tracks, and amazingly, uh, you've done a Stevie Wonder on us because you've played all the instruments bar one on the the album or on the tracks. Can can you tell the listeners about that?
1: Okay, well, I've played in bands. I played guitar since I was about eleven. Um, I can play drums. I've I've played for about three years as a drummer in a band. Um, I've dabbled with bass lots and lots and I love playing keys and the first time I went it was just I just did guitar and I did a little bit of overdub with electric guitar and I it was the first time that I'd started working with vocal harmonies so I got really into that the second session we got the cello player in and then the third session I was just really up for playing some drums and creating a live track and so yeah we got the drums down and it just took it from there yeah really enjoyed getting into the you know your different mindsets of okay i'm going to look at this as a drummer now and then you kind of get to play all the different elements which is great you know it's it's just different kind of characters and different feels and i really enjoyed that that was yeah important
0: so who would you say your main influences uh, are andy
1: i pretty much take influence from i i kind of you know jed i'm like there's two types of music in my life, you know, it's good or bad for me. So whatever sings to me, I will just, you know, I'll go with. But what's what was interesting was I started the project with a really kind of, the, when I went to the studio, they said, oh, you know, the, I was ready to go. I've been demoing the tracks at home because I, I, I did a production degree many years ago and I can I've got a setup at home so I, I thought.
0: All right, you've actually got a background in in production then. Yeah, that's I've produced quite a few different things over the years and
1: but this time I really wanted to get in front of the microphone and, and not be in the two places.
0: Did that get in the way in the recording studio? Did you feel that you were always putting your production hat on when you were recording things?
1: no not this time because they these guys were so good i just wanted to i just wanted to concentrate on the on the playing and it was nice to to completely let that let someone else do that and have their input and their creative input come back at me and me just use it as a as a performer not you know it, no that was that was perfect you know that was the that was the way to do it what was influencing me at the start of the record when i got there they were saying what kind of music are you into let's have a coffee and let's Listen to some stuff, which was a bit I don't know it was a bit weird. I didn't want to influence it too much. Uh, I like a lot of acoustic artists like you know Nick Drake, I love Elliot Smith, he's one of my all time favorites. So we listened to a lot of that, a little bit of some um Johnny Cash's acoustic stuff, and yeah, we listened to the way that that was recorded, and they kind of used that in the process. It was like a, a an essence that we wanted to kind of capture. Then in the middle of the, al- the album, Lee, the engineer, said, oh, I really like this track. It reminds me of Sparkle Horse. And I didn't actually know who Sparkle Horse were at the time. I came back home and my wife was like, oh, I've got three Sparkle Horse records. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I started listening to them and fell in love with them. I love what they do. Sparkle Horse were absolutely incredible. But I guess you take you take bits, elements, essences from everything, lots of different things, literature, films
0: different things you know how important as a a songwriter are lyrics to you is it an afterthought or is it right up there central to the theme do the lyrics help you write the music or do the music does the music that you create then help you write the lyrics
1: i usually start with the music but if something comes and something's happening then the lyrics are a hook or something the theme will come very quickly after i've got something going on the guitar and then it's a case of getting that initial um spark i always think that if you are doing anything creative there's a very it's almost like a gift is given to you from whatever it is the 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 creative stream that's all around us it gives you a little gift and then it's up to you to put the hard work in so when i was younger i used to get the gift and just loop the gift and just play the gift over and over and over again and never go through that threshold of sitting down and actually right I'm going to write some lyrics and been quite non-judgmental about what you're doing I think that's been the key for me whereas I would usually write something I'd be like oh it's not like this it's not like that oh it's no good or whatever and now I'm really really kind with the process I sit down and I go oh that's interesting it's not very good but maybe it'll get me to the next line which might be good and it's just trimming the process and just being really open with it and not don't judge it it is what it is i think that's just so much more creative for me as a writer to just to just leave it and let it let it just unfold itself
0: do you think andy that you're maybe more at ease with your own creative voice and musical language
1: perhaps yeah but it's taken it's taken a long time to get to this point where I can sit down and I understand the various kind of thought processes involved with finding, getting a space where you can actually be creative. So you can, you can take yourself away or you can, you know, say this hour, I'm going to be working on this lyric. And if you get a line, brilliant, you know, you don't have to finish the whole song. I guess just, just be kind with your process with the way you're doing it and don't judge it too much and just have fun. You know, it's, I guess if you, if you're into what you're doing, if you, if you're allowing the space that you can actually um you can enjoy what you're doing, enjoy the process, then I guess at some point, you know, other creative minds will be like, Hey, that's, that's pretty cool. Cause it's come from a place. It's come from that, that place, the same place that all great work comes from. It just comes from that, beautiful serene space where you're not going oh this is awful i can't i can't do it Urgh, you know because that's there's that's no way to do anything you know but i guess it, it takes it's taken me a long a long time and most of my life to get to the point where I'm, i can sit down and go okay let's write some music <laughs>
0: you know <laughs> so anybody can write music uh i would uh, i'm putting that out there and anyone can say they're going to create an album or, whatever we call it these days, the problem comes in actually then trying to get that music out there and to be heard. Can you perhaps tell us a little about how you've gone around this? Have, have you planned anything out? Any? What are your main avenues to distribution? Because let's face it, that's the big killer for most musicians.
1: First of all, to get out of the old model of thinking, which was the whole, you know, go out, get a deal, get the big advance, do the thing, let the record company just do everything possible. Whereas with the, you know, the advancement in, you know, online stuff, it's just completely changed it for independent musicians. And so the first thing I did was, you know, I picked this, I mean, I could have I could have quite easily have done it at home, my, my album. Um, I've got the equipment to do it, Not not the best equipment, but I've got, you know, broadcast quality equipment to do it. But the reason for going to the studio was I wanted to create something that was Really, really special, so I went to this first of all, I picked the studio that would most benefit my music, so the studio I picked records to tape um they've got beautiful um vintage analog equipment. Was that the guys were was that important for you very important yeah i, I the, I've been to many studios, and picking the studio with the right vibe is absolutely essential, so that you can you can be the most creative you can be in that space. Um, some, some studios are quite clinical. Some are just absolute, you know, chaotic spaces. This one was just the, a beautiful space. I got on with the guys straight away and it just felt right. So that was the first thing was picking the right studio. Then once I'd got the product, once I got my, my tracks, um, I went about finding a mastering engineer and I thought my first thought was, well, who, who would you go to if money was no object? that's my, my first you know, the way I, my brain works is like, let's just go to that. Let's go out. Let's put it out there. So I, I was looking at a guy, a multi Grammy award winning dude in America called Don C, who used to work at a company called Precision. And I, I, you know, I emailed him and he got straight back and he was quite expensive. Um, So I was like, OK, well, I'll have a think about that. And then I found another guy in Portland, um, Oregon, who had just mastered, remastered an Elliott Smith album and the results were just like whoa this guy and then i found out that he masters for vinyl he cuts vinyl and i went and listened to about maybe 25 records that he's 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 mastered and went yeah definitely him it's worth it go with it and when i got the album back i was like yes that that was that was a great thing so then i've got the album mastered it's ready to go out online um I've just sent it to Germany to be pressed on vinyl,
0: so I'm going all out with this, Jed. You're rushing through, but it's incredible stuff. What I love about your attitude, Andy, is that can do. You know, when I was younger, I would never have thought of uh, hassling anyone who I thought was like already in the business. But the way you say it, it makes absolute and total sense. Why wouldn't they? And you're getting exposed. Your music's getting exposed to people who may actually have some power in the industry
1: exactly and when i when i mastered it with telegraph mastering with adam gonzales i didn't realize until after i'd done it that he's got a dedicated uh, page on his site all the all the music that he's mastered and he has links to everybody's websites and where they can buy it and i went through and i bought like three albums and i thought wow that's that's great because that's got me some exposure in america and he emailed me uh, last week and said As soon as you're ready, I'll put it on the site and we'll try and get some ears to you and we'll see what we can do. So that was a really, it was really interesting because that kind of covered a lot of American market that will be interested in A, vinyl music, B, the kind of music that I'm making. So in terms of niche marketing, that's perfect. So that's kind of some free Uh, marketing in America.
0: It's just so connected the way you're going around this and you're talking about a very natural not offhand but a very natural way and yet it is so connected why wouldn't you want to get your music to people who already are into similar types of music like that who are already in the industry fantastic work.
1: I think this is I mean I did a lot of research into uh, niche marketing which is kind of more there's so much content and music in the world at the minute it's trying to sort of cut through into that and the the way that i I understand that you do it you just create a very very niche brand where people can actually just go okay that's that kind of that's that type of thing i'm into that i'll have a listen so like with stuff like like say for now my website's getting built at the minute but i'm really incorporating that kind of thing into my website so um More to do with uh, permission based marketing, the way you, you know, acquire a really, really great email list um, of people who are into your stuff. Then you can, you know, contact them directly with offers and different things like that. And I think that's really, that's really important is that direct, direct marketing rather than, you know, just whitewash blanket marketing. They call it shotgun marketing, which, you know, just, um, and the best way you can do that is one gig gig as much as you can um, to get that direct contact with your fans. Um, Have a great website um, where everything's there. All your music's there, your shows, your merchandise. Everything's just in one place. You can use different third-party websites like
0: SoundCloud, which is great. You use SoundCloud, Andy? Yeah, I'm on SoundCloud. How do you find that? Because I'm sure it seems to a lot of young people out there who may be listening to this and have music that, you're just one of a million. I mean how do you ever get noticed on something like that? It is an aggregator in essence, isn't it?
1: It's good at what it does and it's a good way to kind of discover music. I think my I think the main platform for what that kind of is trying to do is Spotify. I think if you can get on Spotify and you know people can discover you and then from Spotify go to your website and then everything's there for them. If they want to buy into a certain type of music they say, "Oh, I like this guy. Let's go to the website and they can buy an album, they can download an album, they can buy a t-shirt."
0: Can we talk about the Spotify because I'm very I'm in Spotify. I've got quite a lot of albums on Spotify. But I actually want the the record company behind it to to actually take them down because it why would you buy anything if it's on Spotify?
1: True, but I think I mean, for instance, like iTunes, iTunes have got a, a very sort of designated market of people that like to own music and download it and actually own it on their computer. And that's kind of what iTunes is, really. You know, iTunes is just a music retailer. Spotify is, you know, the 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 jukebox of the world where you can discover new music. But if you're into music and, you know, you, you're committed to, say, um... Different media,s like I, I really like vinyl music, so I've got a vinyl music collection. If I, if I hear an artist that I really like, I will buy the album on vinyl very quickly because I know that there'll will be a limited amount of them. So I think Spotify is a great way to, you know, like a jukebox. It's a great way to discover new music.
0: That's very interesting. So are are you actually saying that people who consume music on Spotify probably would never have bought it anyway?
1: Well, I, no, I think I think that there's. Um, you know, there's a, definitely a demographic of, of people who just stream and listen to music on Spotify. There's also another group that will find use Spotify to kind of discover music, then go on to actually go and see a gig. And then the only way they can do that, they wouldn't have heard of them if they weren't on Spotify uh, sometimes. And then they'll go to the website and it's like, that's where you can find out, OK, they're playing here. I can go to the show. And then you start that kind of nice relationship with the band. So it's kind of like, in terms of, um, it's almost like a dating site for music, in a way. So it's like you first kind of, like, your picture. <laughs> you picture...
0: with millions of partners.
1: <laughs> just where you first the the picture of a dating site, and you go, oh, yeah, I quite like the look of that, that group. And if you want to continue that relationship, then you, if you're into music, you will do that anyway.
0: You are listening to GMI, the Guitar and Music Institute. My name is Jed Brocky, and today... In this podcast, I'm in conversation with singer-songwriter Andrew Squires, and we're not only talking about Andrew's new album that's coming out and the process in getting there, but we're also talking about marketing online, how he's doing it, and believe you me, guys, he's really switched on. If you want to find out more about this podcast other than the audio you can hear, for example, images, links, audio, then come on over to www.guitarandmusicinstitute.com. It'd be great to see you there. So, Andy, we were talking about various online options that you have. Are you looking to sort of really uh, focus in on specific ones, or are you going to go f- on quite a few?
1: Yeah, I think, I think what you need to do is you be on as many as possible and use those various ones, for instance, Facebook, Twitter, Uh, soundcloud spotify use all of those third-party um websites to drive traffic to your website where you can first of all collect an email if people want to get the latest news they can look at your store they can check out your gigs and you can start the relationship with with a fan um from that so yeah if you if you're on as many as possible then you drive that's the the key is to 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 bring them to your website where everything is there and you're in control of that you know that environment because obviously um Facebook are now moving more towards that they want you to do advertising and boost posts and things like that, which is actually quite good i've I've used that a few times. I was in a competition to press a single on vinyl a couple of months ago, and I got down to the last five and then it went to a public vote and I used the sponsored links on Facebook. And was able to reach thousands and thousands of people well it broke it down for me how many of those people had actually post clicked the link which was really really useful because when when my album comes out at the end of November maybe first week of December depending on when I get my vinyl records back from the plan I'll be doing a, a campaign on Facebook to to raise awareness so there'll be sponsored links countdown date there'll be an early release and I'm gonna do the first hundred vinyl sales, I'm going to do like a free print with them. It's like a free screen print. Um, so all that will be done through Facebook because it's a great way to get out there, and it doesn't cost that much money to market that to the world.
0: Andy, this this is I mean, I've done a lot of research, as you have in, in this area, and and you're absolutely got it nailed. Have you ever thought about actually putting together a, a short guide for musicians to either sell or to give away? as a freebie because what you're doing is absolutely spot on right down the line.
1: I think once once I've actually launched and it's gone live and I can kind of see where the pitfalls were where where the strengths were with the, with the campaign then I think it would be quite an interesting thing to have on my website is my process. Um I think it's I think lots of different people have different processes and there is quite a lot of people who do that already where they do um, musician marketing seminars and things like that. And they're really, really good. And there are some great people out there who are doing it on, on how, how to just break through the fog of the millions and millions of different artists. So, yeah, I think, you know, to answer your question, I think I will put my process in there. If it's helpful to anyone, it'd be great because I've certainly looked at other people's and that's been helpful to me. So, yeah, I totally would do that on my website. I think that'd be quite cool.
0: So, how are you going to actually sell the vinyl?
1: So, the vinyl, I'm going to distribute independently through a company called CD Baby, which I'm sure many of you listeners will will know already. There's there's many out there. There's TuneCore, CD Baby. There's there's not much between them, to be honest. They're they're both really really good, but CD Baby uh, they distribute vinyl for you and CDs through uh, Amazon and also they've got a distribution deal with another company for online stores and 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 physical stores as well. So I kind of went with CD Baby because of that. So first of all my vinyl will be available on the website. It'll be available on my CD Baby store. It'll be available on Bandcamp and then also I'm going to plan an independent record store gig tour. I just got this idea and I went and chatted with Uh, one owner he was like yeah let's that sounds cool you know you can launch your vinyl play a gig and what a perfect way to kind of connect with people who are going to be into that kind of music anyway so yeah I'm going to I'm going to start from the north of England and hopefully end end in London and do a do a tour of independent records shops because my music I can play it with a full band or I can play it on my own which is I'm
0: very mobile. We'll have to talk because I'm sure I know people can get you gigs right across Scotland. Amazing. Well, maybe look into that. So what is the timeline now, Andy, in terms of this album? So it's just just so everyone can hear how things are in terms of the physical or non-physical digital product and how it then correlates to the release and how that works in terms of getting it out there online.
1: So if you've made... An album and you solely want to distribute online, you could, you could sign up to a company like CD Baby or Tunecore and you could get it out in two weeks if you wanted to. If you wanted to rush a single, if you had a gig coming up and you had a single that you wanted to put on iTunes, you can do that within 24 hours on, on those companies. But because my album is going to be released on vinyl and digital and CD, you have to work with the timeline of about three months because you send your music to the vinyl plant they send a, a test pressing within two weeks and based on on that test pressing it's another eight weeks from the test pressing to actually receiving your box of vinyl which then you can you know sell and be ready to sell i'm setting my release date at the maximum which is about 12 weeks away so i should with forecasting problems should be about 12 weeks so i'm thinking the first week of december which then gives me a timeline to get my electronic press kit together to send out to online magazines, bloggers, et cetera.
0: Who do you go with for your EPK?
1: Well, actually, I'm looking at a, a website for development called uh, BandZoozle, which um, which has all – it's basically website builders like uh, WordPress. Uh, there's another one called uh, Verb, which is quite cool. But BandZoozle, they they do all that as part of the web template. So they have your, they set up the email subscribing list for you. They give you all the sort of analytical information. They also set your store up and then they also do your electronic press kit and they hold it so you can just send it to people. It's kind of a new ish website, but this, it's run by musicians and developers and it seems to be absolutely cutting edge. And, you know, with taking all the sort of fuss out of it, they do all that for you. So once I've got that together which is all happening this week, then it's about contacting various radio stations. I've got a relationship with a DJ from BBC, so I'm hopefully going to set up a session with him around the time of the release. And yet, like I said, an online campaign. And also, I'm going to try and get some professional publicist kind of thing, but I'm I'm just working that out at the minute where I'm going to try and find a company that will actually maybe do it at a
0: reduced price I'm going to try and find someone. Good luck with that, because these guys have very expensive tastes. Yeah,
1: yeah, and but I guess there there is lots of different ways you can do it, and I'm basically pulling in all my contacts. I've got a friend who works for Kerrang magazine, and I've got other friends who work for different people, and I guess yeah, it's a real DIY guerrilla kind of release and something. So, like I said, I've got the American guy. Um, who, who will host it on his website and different gigs? I've got a lot of gigs planned in London around the time of my release, and so yeah, there'll be I'll be handing out different like download codes and things like that. Maybe give a free free MP3 away for like people's email addresses, that kind of thing.
0: Excellent. I was I was going to ask you about that. That's that's great. That's great. You're doing that. Are you going to create a video for any of this, the the tracks?
1: Yeah, I've got a um, a friend coming over today. We're going to discuss the video. I've got a video that I'm making, which is I did an instrumental of one of my tracks with the cello guy. And it's just the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I love it. And I've got because I go under the name uh, Tersal Voice, which is a male peregrine falcon. I, I use a lot of the bird images in my um, my logo and stuff. And I've got this video that I'm that's going to be on YouTube of it's just this. It's the bird and it's the music and it's kind of like the album coming soon, the album coming soon, and I'm going to start my video campaign like that, and then once the actual, the album drops, there'll be one track with a music video online, so you can, but then I'll get, again, I'll put the whole album on, on YouTube as well, um, because, again, it's a great place to discover music, and CD Baby, who I'm distributing with, they do um, YouTube monetization. so, you know, they they take care of all that for you as well, so if your music's used in other videos, they'll collect the royalties for that, and... Yeah, I think just protecting yourself as a musician is important as well. So, you know, obviously I'm signed with PRS, all that kind of stuff. All my tracks have got the um, my codes embedded in them. Um, so, yeah, it's about doing it properly so that you can track track your music as well, I think.
0: So you're a member of MCPS and PPL as well? Yeah, yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Uh, I'm just sitting here thinking this has been a fantastic podcast for anyone listening in who's thinking of doing uh, an album release or or just getting to thinking about doing an album, I just wonder if we could come back and maybe talk to you in eight months, nine months to find out how things are going and maybe even do a feature on the website about you. Because everything that you've talked about is so joined up, so well thought through and straight out the handbook in a sense, but so many people don't do it this way. Would that be of interest?
1: I would absolutely love to do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it for me, it's a, it's all a learning process and it's just step by step, essentially just trying to build a wall brick by brick. That's all I'm doing every day is doing it in steps. So you look back and you think, oh, well, I've got an album. And then it's like, OK, I need to master it. And then it, and then you're like, oh, well, I want to release it now. How do I do that? And then so, yeah, I, I absolutely would love that, Jed, because just to find out how it all works and then come back in a few months and go wow it, it it's absolutely essential to build those foundations as you're doing it and then you've got a strong web presence i think that's absolutely essential you've got a really strong product totally available to gig at a moment's notice can you gig tonight yep can do it i'm ready everything's just in place so that you know you're not preparing to fail you're just preparing to succeed in any way you can and but then again it's how you measure success and if you've made an album and it's taken you all your life to do that, and you're really, really proud of it, then you should treat it with respect enough to let it go into the world. You've done your bit. Let it go. Make sure it's the highest quality it can be. Make sure it's available on all formats at the highest quality it could be. Make sure you're happy with the the visual representation of what you're doing and treat it with that respect and put it out there. So, yeah, I'd be really, really would love to come back. and
0: That would be great. I'm sure – I'm sure everyone who's listening to this would love to know how the story, certainly not ends, but how the story has proceeded. And although we don't need to drill down perhaps in, in nine months or so to too many figures, it would be great to have an idea and then just to feel find out from you the things that worked and that didn't work. One thing that pops into my mind is, will you be contacting companies that do ad placements and use music in in their adverts?
1: Part of CD Baby's uh, sign-up thing, you've got two options. You can sign up with them um, standard, or you can go pro. And in the pro option, they have uh, sync licensing options, so they will they will actively go out and try and find placement for your music. Now, I'm happy to do that because I'm I kind of want my music to just you know, go to as many places as possible,
0: I'm I'm definitely going to look into that. Is it Tom Waits that doesn't allow his music in any adverts? And he's fought numerous court cases on that. How do you feel about it all?
1: I think if if someone picked my music up and wanted to use it in a film that was artistic and that was visually beautiful and they wanted to add something into it, then I would be absolutely thrilled that someone would want to use some audio to create an atmosphere. I think that's amazing with adverts and stuff. Yeah, I kind of I'm pretty old school and I'm pretty much down with Bill Hicks about the whole advertising thing, really. But it's also like things are quite different now and the jury's out at the minute, really. I, I guess I guess you you can have an opinion about that kind of thing and I think it's really good that you know people I love Tom Waits and if you're going to be if you're successful and you you're established, then you don't really need to be kind of Getting money from advertising, things like that. I think the many artists that are starting out, or you know, I, I know the studio I used. They do a lot of advert music, and that funds the studio a lot of the time when they haven't got much cash coming into the studio. An advert will drop, and then they've got they've got another six months where they can just do the things that they really want to do. So I think I think you treat it on an individual case per case, really. And I think if people want to do an advert, I've not got a problem with that at all. I know loads of people who have and it's changed their life and they've been able to do all the things they want to do um, and it's not affected their soul. So until someone comes to you and says, hey, we want to use your music. And um, I knew a band in the 80s band. Well, I won't mention them, but they I knew them quite well through a friend. They had a track played on an advert for 30, I don't know 30 seconds and they bought a house. <laughs> so
0: Yes. The Yellow Pages adverts, I heard, I don't know if it's an urban legend, but the guys that wrote the Yellow Pages advert, the piano, the piano theme uh, about um, the guy looking for a book, I heard that they actually built a studio off the back of that. So, but that, that was a piece of a composition that was actually written for the advert as opposed to being lifted. Anyway, I have thoroughly enjoyed this is there anything any advice you would like to give is there any things you're worried about in this process you know just final thoughts andy so i guess i mean in terms of
1: advice i would say if you really want to do something you should give it absolute 100 percent respect and do it until work the process all the way through to the end and, and see what happens. And if you, if you go to the studio and you decide you had a horrible time and it was really, really it affected you, then at least you gave it a try. And I think, that, I think the points are for trying at the first. But then if you try and then you do like, oh, I really like this, I really want to continue, then just take it a step at a time and don't get ahead of yourself and think, well, I'm not like this person, so I'm not even going to try. It's about fine music such a beautiful thing. It's, it's about everybody's got something in them and it's just about giving that respect and having the respect to do it.
0: Well, I think that's great words. I've thoroughly enjoyed this interview. I think uh, a lot of people will have got a lot out of this because it's, it sounds like you've got a real plan. You've done a lot of research and you're now implementing it. Well, Andy, I wish you every best with that release. And I'll be keeping a close eye, and we will be getting in contact with you again in, say, nine or ten months' time to just find out exactly how it went. Okay, folks, well, that's it for another podcast. I hope you got as much out of that as I did. I thought it was really, really fantastic talking to Andy, really switched on guy who's not just thinking about the art, as all musicians nowadays have got to be clued up on all the marketing opportunities that are made available to us through the internet. And it's the big conundrum. You know, we can reach more people on the internet now than ever before, but it's breaking through the white noise that really matters. I have some really fantastic guests lined up for the future. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to tease you, but I hope you subscribe to this podcast to hear their interviews, some real movers and shakers in the industry. From me, Jed Brocky, until we speak again, or until I speak again, bye for now.